What's up, guys? Welcome to Good Bad 2, the sequel. This is a show where we have a good time watching bad movies, and then we ask the question, is it good bad, or is it just bad? I am your host, John. Danielle is out of town again this weekend. Uh, her attendance on this show has been the drizzling shits lately, and it's something that I intend to talk to her about. Please uh, message her, uh, at Danielle Cass, and ridicule her to no end about how much time she has missed on this show. Uh, you guys can follow the show on Instagram as well. We are at the Good Bad Show. We didn't do a vote this week. Normally we do a vote. I wasn't planning on doing a show this weekend just because Danielle was gone and I had a bunch of other stuff going on, uh, but I uh, got freed up and so here we are and we are talking about Under Siege, the 1992 Steven Seagal classic Directed by Andrew Davis. Um, this movie has a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. That makes it Steven Seagal's only fresh movie on Rotten Tomatoes out of a thousand. I don't know how many movies he has, but there's a lot. And have you noticed how all of his movies, are, except for this one, have three words in the title? They're all like marked for death and out to kill and good time dead and they're all they all have basically the same title except for under siege and it's his highest rated movie um weird though this is this is a little bit reverse of what we normally do on the show generally our movies have a really low rotten tomato and a really high metacritic or audience score this is the reverse um which i found kind of shocking so this is one is actually critically reviewed well and actually reviewed not as well by fans i would have guessed the opposite um because people love this movie um what we're going to do is we're going to give out a little bit of trivia here about under siege and then we're going to go through the plot we're going to pull that apart thread by thread um, and having watched this last night as an adult and watching it with a critical eye, um, this movie definitely, uh, has a lot of things to, to poke fun at, like a lot of things to poke fun at. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad cause honestly, when it, when it like really, really started, I was like, is this movie too good for this show? It's not, mm -mm, no, it is, uh, it is perfect for this show. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Um, so we're going to pull apart the, the, the plot, we'll go through that thread by thread, and then we're going to do the awards. So I've got my bold statement about the movie, I've got my worst line, my best line, my worst performance, the show stealer, the most good bad moment, I'll tell you what my favorite part of the movie was, um, make some changes to make it a good bad movie, we'll talk about the biggest badass uh, if you've been following along on the show, this is somewhat of a newer category that we've been doing, and uh, it's a it's a King of the Hill style ongoing position, um, like a champion basically of the podcast. Uh, and currently, Sylvester Stallone's Judge Dredd is the biggest badass in our show history. Uh, and uh, we'll find out if anybody in this movie uh, is a candidate to take down Judge Dredd. Um, and then we'll talk about whether or not it's good, bad, or just bad. Alright. If, uh, if you hear some weird noises uh, in the background, if you guys have been following along, we Danielle and I adopted a dog two weeks ago. Um, she just completed her second week here. Uh, actually, I took her to the vet yesterday, and she got a clean bill of health. She passed. She's grade A. Um, but because Danielle has been gone for the weekend... 
Saber, uh, Saber Tooth Tiger, has been a little bit clingy with me, um, and she is currently sleeping at my feet. So if you hear some uh, snoring or uh, she, she wakes up and licks a lot, so if, if you hear some weird stuff, that's what's going on. That's not me licking anything. Okay. Under Siege. As you guys know, this is a Van Damme show. This is a Van Damme household. Uh, Van Damme is my boyfriend and your boyfriend. Uh, Van Damme is everyone's boyfriend. And uh, I actually had no intentions of ever talking about Steven Seagal in any way, shape, or form on this podcast. Um, and uh, I have weak morals, and I forgot that that was one of them, and I got excited to do this movie, <laughs> and I'm glad that I forgot. Um, I am not a Steven Seagal fan. Um, I'm not a fan of the human being. I'm not a fan of his uh, fake movie um, martial arts. I'm not saying Aikido is a fake martial art. Don't come at me, martial arts weirdos in my DMs. I'm saying that Steven Seagal and the way that he does it in movies is fake. Um and it's this movie, after, after watching it as an adult, there's hardly any martial arts in it. And what there is, is hysterical. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad that, that I just kind of um, impulse chose this movie to, to, to cover this week. Okay, so the movie starts off uh, with Casey Ryback, Steven Seagal. He's walking through uh, a battleship. This movie takes place on a battleship. I'm, I'm not going to break down like the this is not. You guys n- know the movie. Uh, and uh, he's too too cool to be uh, in his dress whites. Everybody's supposed to be in their dress whites. So we're we're on the USS Missouri. Um, it's being decommissioned, and uh, we're also having a, a, a celebration uh, for the captain of the ship all of this is going on at the same time so everyone's supposed to be in their dress whites but not casey ryback because he's too fucking cool and the captain actually gives him um like a pass on it because uh, he's got 50 gallons of bouillabaisse to make he's the chef uh uh steven seagal is the chef on this on this boat hey I don't know what bouillabaisse is. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit that right now. Uh, I've heard that word. I think it's a funny word. Bouillabaisse is a funny word. I don't know what it is. I, I like if if I walked through the grocery store and there was some, I wouldn't be able to point to it. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Um, Gary Busey is in in this conversation uh, where Steven Seagal is being let off from having to wear his whites, and Gary Busey's hot about it. He's pissed off. Yo, I did not remember that Gary Busey was in this movie. Gary Busey is a force of nature in 1992. He made this movie and Point Break in the same year. I mean, within a year of each other. And he crushes in both of them. Uh, man, the the heyday of Gary Busey. Love that guy. Love that guy. Um... Also, what's going on is the uh, Gary Busey is bringing aboard the ship a rock band and Miss July 1989 <laughs> in order to celebrate the captain's birthday. Uh, Miss July 89 being uh, Erica Liniak, um, who actually was legitimately Miss July 1989 in real life, uh, which is which is kind of funny. Um, the 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 conversation between two i don't know two 
fucking Navy guys about Miss July 89 coming onto the ship. One of them uses a copy of a Playboy for reference <laughs> to explain to another guy that this is who's coming aboard. That copy of Playboy, that issue, same issue as the one that Kevin McAllister finds in Home Alone. Interesting little detail there. Um, they, uh, the, the, uh, captain let, lets Steven Seagal off. He's got to go cook for, for the party. There's like an argument going on about, about who's going to supply the food. All really just kind of like random horse shit that, that's going on here. Uh, but Gary Busey needs the, um, the, I don't know what you call it in the Navy because they have a weird name for everything, the kitchen. He needs it clear. So he comes in to clear it out and he hawks the grossest loogie in the history of movie loogies into the Bouya Bays, which is a thing that uh, I just learned about. Uh, Bouya Bays, <laughs> but ugh, just the grossest loogie in history from Gary Bu- And the fact that it came from Gary Busey. Ugh, ugh, turns my stomach just thinking about it. This pisses off Seagal. So Seagal beats the shit out of like four or five goons and punches Gary Busey, which doesn't get him thrown in jail. It gets him thrown into a meat locker, um, which... Uh, goes on for way too long. Like, way too long. Steven Seagal's locked in this refrigerator, and he's yelling at the guy that's that's guarding the door. While he's in there, the helicopter with the rock band uh, fronted by Tommy Lee Jones, my, my, like, father figure in life, Tommy Lee Jones, another person on the list of people I'd like to receive a lecture from, and Erica Oliniak. And when she gets off the helicopter, the, the camera molests her the camera is like in her ass and like down her cleavage the the camera tells you that this is not a human being this is a piece of meat uh, it's man in in 1992 it might have been pretty passable and the fact that she was a playmate and stuff like but but watching it now i was a little bit uncomfortable with how like it was like nearly inhumane how they filmed her um and and i also read that she that character was added into the movie after the fact. Like, like it was an add-in to the script because Steven Seagal, quote, thought it would be funny to have a stripper sidekick. So do with that information what you will. <laughs> um, the party is now kicked off proper. Uh, it doesn't have the captain present. He's, like, in his chambers. They have to go get him. And the, the rock band is going. And, uh... <laughs> and... Um, everything that you've ever wanted at a party, which includes Erica Oliniak, who is not present, and Gary Busey in drag. Um, which, man, the only thing more disgusting than his loogie is, is him in drag. <laughs> and he comes in, he's like trying to show his ass, but he can't. Uh, and then he goes, while still in drag, he goes and kills the captain. This movie contains the villain murdering somebody with fake tits on. Um... <laughs> So that's a thing. <laughs> uh, Tommy Lee Jones, mid performance, um, you know, trying to one up the Rolling Stones uh, and the and the Hell's Angels, just mid performance, just shoots somebody that's present at this party. He just kills like a commanding officer. Um, Tommy Lee Jones in this movie is amazing like he is a a powerhouse a tour de force if you will in this in this movie but i don't find him scary because he's so funny and like fun and entertaining 
you want to see scary, you want to see like intimidating Tommy Lee Jones, go to YouTube and look at the interviews that he did to promote this movie. There's like four or five of them. He is the most terrifying man imaginable when he's not acting. He he reduces adult interviewers down to children as they're trying to interview him with his icy glare and his short answers. He seems like the hardest person in the world to, to interview. I watched one where the guy turned into basically Chris Farley from Saturday Night Live asking him, like, he, he was like, um, you, uh, um, you had to choreograph the fights, right? And TLJ just stares a hole through the poor guy and goes, yes. <laughs> and the, the whole interview continues on like that. And I was like, oh man, it made me so uncomfortable that I quit watching the video. And I turned on a different video and it starts off like, I think it's in his house or somebody's house and he's got a big smile on his face. And uh, the interviewer starts off by saying like, oh, we're both from Texas. And he's like, he's like, yeah. And he's got a big smile on his face. And she's like, and you just had a baby. And he's like, yeah, I just had a baby. And she's like, is the baby going to ride a horse? And then he just drops his smile. And he's like, no, she's too young. <laughs> and the lady goes, but but you know, I was I was riding horses like I've I've ridden horses on with babies, and he goes, "Well, I'm not going to." And she goes, "Okay, let's talk about under siege." And he just goes, "Yeah." <laughs> so if you think this character Stranix Stenix Stramlix, whatever the hell his character's name is in this movie, if you think he's scary, dude is a nothing compared to Tommy Lee Jones when he is not acting fucking terrifying man oh and let's not forget his line to jim carrey i cannot condone your buffoonery um so now the the hostile takeover is in full swing on the ship um you've seen you've seen it before if you have watched uh die hard on a blank insert vehicle or building or place here they're all the same this is die hard on a ship it's just like con air it's just like the rock it's just like passenger 57 it's just like sudden death it's just like die hard um and that is not a complaint uh steven seagal busts his way out of the fridge and he knifes two goons uh in the neck um that part's actually kind of rad um and then uh meanwhile outside the government has sent in uh an f-18 to inspect the situation and uh tommy lee jones and gary Busey shoot the the f-18 down and then the song voodoo child by Jimi hendrix plays for no reason at all like i cannot explain or figure out why that song was where it was in this movie it didn't there was no like it was almost as if it was in celebration of shooting down the jet but like it was like external shots of the ship while we were seeing it that is an expensive song to put in this movie for for no reason at all so now we go to tommy lee jones making his demands to the pentagon this part i i turned on the subtitles i have a note here that says subtitles because i wanted to note this is where i turned them on i was having a hard time understanding some of the dialogue in this movie um it's just really fast paced tommy lee jones speaks very quickly gary Busey kind of speaks quickly uh, uh, Steven Seagal mutters when he talks. He barely even opens his eyes or his mouth when he says things out loud because he's too cool to enunciate. Um, so I had to turn on the subtitles at this point. 
and god damn it am i glad i did because tommy lee jones has a speech uh that he gives to the pentagon that fucking rules <laughs> um I, I gathered because of having the subtitles on, I would not have known what was going on here. There's a guy in the Pentagon who works for the CIA. He used to be Tommy Lee Jones's TLJ's boss. And then he, he fired TLJ and tried to have him killed. And this is why TLJ stole the, uh, the gas rockets and he's going to shoot them at Alca from Alcatraz at San Francisco. No, wait, I'm sorry. That's a different movie with the exact same plot. That's why Tommy Lee Jones stole the missiles on this ship and he's going to sell them. Uh, but he needs the um, the the Pentagon, the old angry, uh, like, you know, real curmudgeon white guys to think that he's crazy at least. Um, and he tells them, welcome to the revolution. Um, quick question. Quick question. Question? I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know how the kids abbreviate words. Um, why on this decommissioned ship are there active nuclear warheads? Like this 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 ship, this famous ship was being sent to Pearl Harbor to retire, to be decommissioned. Why would they send it armed with nuclear warheads? I'll tell you why. So that the movie can happen. That's why. Um the uh gary Busey takes the entire crew and he locks them up in i don't know i don't know boat names i don't know boat terms the hull the bottom the the empty part he puts them in there <laughs> god i'm a moron uh and uh and he's uh he's gonna fill it up with with water so that he can uh capture steven seagal and and make him not a problem there, there's a part right here like after this whole pentagon stuff where like steven seagal is doing something and my note says oh yeah steven seagal's in this movie i completely forgot that he was in this movie for a minute because it was so entertaining when he wasn't on screen and in fact even though he's the only person on the poster he is only in this movie for 43 minutes that's excuse me 41 minutes steven seagal is in this hour and a half movie for 41 minutes so it's kind of easy to forget that he's in it at, at parts of this he's uh steven seagal's like running around looking for you know um looking for a mic a, a radio so that he could talk to al powell on the outside of the nakatomi plaza and he comes across <laughs> he comes across a giant cake in the room that the party had been in and he <laughs> This part's so goddamn funny. He nudges the cake with his foot and it goes flying. And you can see the pulley that, that yanks the cake. And then Erica Olaniac pops up and shows her tits real quick. And then he puts a gun in her face. <laughs> she, she has been presumably inside of this cake naked for hours and hours uh i i died laughing at the at the thought that she's still in this cake and that even though there's no music there's no there's no like sound at all he nudges it it goes flying because he's so strong and then she pops out of it and she had provided music like if the if she had popped out at the right time there would have been a band but she also brought music with her that's so unbelievably stupid <laughs> and uh so he has to break down steven seagal pronouns pal has to break down to her 
uh, like, who are you? Like, what are you doing here? And she explains, like, she's, like, crying, and she explains that she took a bunch of pills and she fell asleep in this cake, which is, like, the plot of, like, a, a fucking Dick Van Dyke show or something. And uh, And she's, like, sobbing, and he goes, what kind of babbling bullshit is this? And I was like, yeah, I agree. What kind of bullshit is this? And she asks Seagal, who are you? And he goes, I'm just a cook. And then she says, we're all going to die. But but why? She doesn't know that the ship has been taken over. Why did she say that? Does she just think that he's a terrible cook and he's going to kill everyone with his cooking? I mean, I would guess that Steven Seagal is not a good cook. I, he's great at eating. I would say that he's probably a phenomenal eater. Uh, but as a cook, my my confidence would be lacking as well. Uh, Busey and TLJ uh, are, are deciding that they're going to go find Seagal themselves, um, and they're going to go handle the situation. So they go down to the to the kitchen, and the microwave, which he had set fucking, I don't know, half an hour ago, explodes right when they get into the room, which is just perfect convenient timing for this for this bomb the other thing that was popular at this time period was macgyver and this movie has so much macgyver about it and if you guys know me you know that i love the movie mcgruber which is a god-awful movie that's a terrible movie but the fact that it makes fun of shit like this um, and some other moments in this movie is why i love that movie and once you've seen mcgruber and you go back and try to watch this it <laughs> It just changes everything. <laughs> the uh, the Pentagon old white guys have come up with just a foolproof plan uh, of action here. The the like stuffiest, oldest, whitest guy is like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take SEAL Team Five, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna send them in to infiltrate the ship. Uh, and if that fails, we've got a backup air team and someone asks him you know what what are the odds of that working and he goes well if toj is nuts then it's going to work out great but if he's not nuts it's not going to work and i was like hey that's that's terrible that's terrible military planning you're sending in human beings with lives on the like coin toss of whether or not toj is crazy uh, all right, best of luck to you, I suppose. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> because of the microwave incident, uh, TOJ and Gary Busey decide maybe they ought to look into this cook a little bit further. Maybe we ought to read his file, and you get <laughs> you get the obligatory classic, my favorite trope in all of action movies, the hero qualifier scene. Um, this is, this is the hero qualifier. If you're new to the show, if you're new to action movies, the hero qualifier happens in almost all, uh, action, like one man versus whoever, uh, action movies where one character has to explain to another character, the, uh, resume of your hero. It happens every single time, especially in MacGruber. And in this movie, uh, uh, Busey shows up, he's got the file <laughs> And uh, 
<laughs> Cole Meany is in this movie. He tries to interrupt him. He goes, shut up. And he's like, uh, he's an ex-seal. He's an expert in martial arts. He's an expert in explosive weapons tactics. He has a silver star, a navy cross, a purple heart with clusters. He's got security clearance that was revoked in Panama. <laughs> Like, like the 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 hero qualifier is so uh like overdone and heavy-handed in all these movies it's like when someone calls in sick to work and they're like i'm not gonna make it into work today i have a cold and the flu and the black lung and my foot came off and i have a fork in my eye like you you could have stopped a long time ago i do, i don't need this like just laundry list of accomplishments for like he's on the poster like he's steven seagal he's been in other movies like i don't I just he's bad he just tell me he's badass <laughs> don't give me a comical list of accomplishments uh oh man so so steven seagal and erica laniac which is just a hilarious pairing of humans um he he rigs up like a satellite phone which they just call a car phone in the movie because the they, they there's they use there's, there's like a lot of technical terminology and uh like weapons and equipment that they use like the full name of in this movie and if i didn't have the subtitles on i would have been completely lost for some of this stuff because like the acronyms and the numbers and the technical terms like it just it it went a little bit uh uh overboard (laughs) see what i did there uh and then, uh, so he sets up, he sets up the, the, the car phone and he's talking to the stuffy old white guys in the Pentagon, uh, and they're all upset and stuff. Um, and so he ends up, uh, going on a, um, a demolition mission and he goes, uh, topside. That's a, that's a term that I learned. And he, he being Steven Seagal, pronouns pal, goes and blows up one of their helicopters with like a he he like overly complicated macgyvers up a grenade that he puts with like uh paint thinner and all kinds of shit on a helicopter i'm pretty sure the grenade by itself would have accomplished just as much without the paint thinner but when the helicopter blows up there is the most gratuitous recreation of the diehard explosion jump from the roof where he where Seagal goes over the side of the ship and it's so clearly not Seagal it's so clearly just some other dude um and if we're talking about recreations of the diehard explosion jump I would say that Kong did it way better (laughs) King Kong greater than symbol Steven Seagal (laughs) um and then he gets he gets back up and he runs into a room uh, and he booby traps up a door with a grenade again. And a bunch of goons go running into the door and they open it and explodes. And then just mannequins fly all over the place. <laughs> There's just Sears mannequins flying through the air when this door explodes. It's it's absolute mayhem. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, fucking Seagal happens to come across the room where uh the the cooks the other cooks are being kept and then he just happens to find a welding torch that is sitting right next to that door um, which is super convenient and he lets them out and now he has a full crew of hey it's that guy's 1992 edition um, he has like the yearbook of 1992. Hey, it's that guy actors at his disposal. There's like the the uh, the 
pool manager guy from Ace Ventura is in there, um, and like the standard Latino guy from the '90s, and uh, the the football player from the '90s. I don't know any of these actors' names, but you guys know who I'm talking about. <laughs> they're they're all in his crew now. <laughs> um, he uh, they end up in a gunfight here. He lets his crew out, and they end up in a gunfight against just nameless, faceless bad guys uh they like they were less less defined than stormtroopers there was no reason for this to be taking place other than steven seagal gets a phone call from the pentagon while he's in this gunfight so there's like this cool guy like cool cool under pressure moment where he's on the phone with the pentagon and he's saying cool guy stuff while he's in a gunfight totally passable hero shit for 1992 for sure um, and he gets out of this situation with the tried and true military taught uh, tactic of crossed Uzis running through a hallway. <laughs> this is a foolproof ta- tactic that every law enforcement and military agency teaches. You cross your arms with uh, automatic weapons, do not protect yourself in any way, shape, or form, and then you just run down a hallway. And that will take out all of your enemies. Uh, Works in Call of Duty as well. Um, And then uh, he knifes up some goons. Knifes them down. Knifes them out. Uh, They're dead. Um, And uh, he gets into some kind of like control room. And he powers down the weapons. Um, And then then now your Navy SEALs are here. Now your Navy SEALs have shown up. uh, And fingers crossed. uh, Pray to whoever you pray to. Hopefully, Tommy Lee Jones isn't crazy. Well, guess what? He is. Uh, So he just shoots down that helicopter. Seals are blowed up real good. Turns out he's not a lunatic. That plan didn't work out at all. Uh, Back to the the Pentagon. Ah, shoot. (laughs) They're they're like, man, that was our best shot. Uh, We're we're fucked now. (laughs) That was the best we had. Luckily for them, Steven Seagal, who has watched MacGyver recently, uh, has a montage where he steams a missile, uh, and puts some other stuff in a condom. Uh, so, so I feel safe, uh, about that. I don't know what steamed missile and condom bomb, uh, is going to do. I, also, I don't think this condom bomb ever comes back into play. Maybe he used it with Elaniac. I have no idea. I don't, I don't remember this condom bomb coming back. Um, oh, actually, you know what? Maybe this is what he... So so there's a part right here where uh, a man in a wetsuit, presumed to be Casey Ryback, very obviously not Steven Seagal, swims up to the submarine, which, which evidently, uh, unbeknownst to any of us, has now arrived. This is the, um, the getaway submarine for the bad guys. This is who they're selling these missiles to. Um which that that seems like a pretty important part of the plot, which just kind of arrived and unceremoniously, um, a man in a wetsuit presumed to be Casey Ryback blows up this submarine, I guess with the condom bomb. Uh, and then they're throwing, like they're not shooting guns at him, even though they can see him on the other side of a submarine, they're throwing anchors. They're throwing hooks at him. Um, and one guy comes back with like a chunk of wetsuit and they're like, yeah, we got him. And then, 
there like there's this he comes out of the water Seagal comes out of the water and he's got like some blood on his back but he's not selling it at all and then Erica Laniac is like uh uh tending to him and she's crying and she says to him hang in there Casey as though he's dying and the look on his face says nothing because it never says anything because he's the worst actor I have ever seen in my life and then the next time you see them, the two of them are on a casual, like, like walk on, on the ship as, as though a, he didn't just like get maimed by an anchor and B, there's not a million people trying to kill them if they appear out in the open. They're just like having a walk. Um, and then that leads to a shell making montage because one of his crew knows how to use the big ass guns. So, so, like, what? <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about here? It's pretty cool, though. They make a bunch of shells, and they, uh, they're gonna fire them at the submarine, which Gary Busey is in the act of fixing. And there's a really cool part where it's, they fire off, like, a, they call it a starburst, which kind of tests the distance, and then they fire a real shell, and it misses, and then they fire another shell, and they direct hit, you, you sunk my battleship, they hit the submarine, uh, Gary Busey's dead, he's out of there, he's out of the picture. The, the thing that was really, really weird about this, though, is that TLJ had gotten there just in time to, to get the concussion of the blast from this giant gun and witness his cohort Gary Busey getting blowed up real good. The concussion evidently made him insane because this character who was not crazy up until now becomes like Yosemite Sam for the rest of the movie. Uh, and he goes and blasts off a bunch of nuclear tomahawks at Honolulu um, because basically like the mission is, is kaput. He's, he's either going to get dead or captured, so he might as well just fucking kill everybody in Honolulu, I guess. Uh, oh, so, so Seagal shows up, he's got to fight fucking TLJ, uh, and, and there's a line here where he goes, don't I know you? And Tommy Lee Jones is like, yeah, you do. That's it. That's the only time that was mentioned before or after that, like completely meaningless little line that they know each other. Like, like they ran into each other at a grocery store or something before in the past. Uh, there, there's a really weird kind of, um, con con flipped around trope here. Generally in movies, the trope is the bad guy will tell the good guy we're the same. And the good guy will say, no, we're not the same. In this movie, Steven Seagal tries to explain to TLJ that they're the same, that they both serve the same master and that they both work for the government. And so, like, but why? Why is that, why is that written into this movie? Why? No, you're not the same. You shouldn't want to be the same as, like, the maniac bad guy. So all of this results in a knife fight. And I have heard my whole life, I mean, obviously not recently because this movie isn't exactly like part of the zeitgeist, but as a child growing up and having the conversations constantly of Van Damme or Steven Seagal, right? This was a topic as I was uh, coming of age. People would reference this knife fight and they would say that it was dumb and that it was silly and that that's not how you hold a knife and all this kind of stuff. Uh, without giving you too much of my background, I will tell you that this 
is a valid knife fight. Uh, this is a valid way to hold a knife. It's called an ice pick grip. Um, and it is actually a fairly technical knife fight. It does have a little bit of Hollywood goofiness to it. Um, but the way that they're holding these knives and the way that it goes down and the speed with which it goes down is is not overly Hollywooded up. Um, and uh, some of it's a little bit goofy. So <laughs> the way that it ends is they're both trying to stab each other and then Steven Seagal bites TLJ's knife. Hey, I do not recommend that tactic. Uh, ask Heath Ledger's Joker if that's a good idea. Um, and then he puts his thumb in TLJ's eye and then jams the knife in the top of TLJ's head and then just to add insult to injury, his fake head, his super, super fake head. <laughs> and then he jams his head into a radar. So now all the bad guys are dead. Uh, and then we got some missiles that are on the loose still. So uh, that means that Stanley Goodspeed has to inject himself. Um, wait, sorry, wrong movie. Uh, the, we got to destroy them. We got to destroy the missiles. Uh, which we do. That's easy. N not a problem at all. Nothing in this movie is a problem for Steven Seagal. None of the problems presented to him are a challenge for him to overcome. Destroys the missiles. The, the, the He's, you know, on, on the top deck. The medic comes over and says, you're going to need three or four stitches. Like, what other leading man, what other hero comes out of the end of the movie and the only damage done to them is that they might need three or four stitches. Just Seagal. Seagal's the only one. Uh, he salutes, the movie ends. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> this movie is hilariously tropey. Uh, and it's not like the original Die Hard where you could be like, well, it invented the tropes. It didn't invent any of these tropes. It just re recreated them um okay so that's the plot let's uh let's uh, i gave you guys a little bit of the trivia already um but i'll give you a little bit more so like i said at the front of the movie andrew davis directed this he is the director of uh the fugitive um and some other steven seagal movies before this um so fairly well-known director what's really interesting though is that harrison ford was deciding whether or not he should sign on for The Fugitive. And he decided to do it because <laughs> Andrew Davis directed this movie and he was going to direct The Fugitive. So this movie is directly responsible for Harrison Ford being in The Fugitive. Use that information for what you will. Um, I already told you guys about the, the 41 minutes and the Miss July. Okay, so... Let's get into the awards. So first thing we start off with is the bold statement. My bold statement is that this is Steven Seagal's best movie. Um, you know, the, the Rotten Tomatoes score proves that uh, it's not good. Uh, it's not all the way good. Um, it is hilarious uh, and not for the right reasons. Um, but... It's the best that Steven Seagal has in his library. Okay, the worst line. What is my worst line? Um, <laughs> my worst line is the the stuffy old white guy <laughs> at the Pentagon <laughs> saying, if we are dealing with a lunatic who's only partially in charge of the ship, the odds are good. On the other hand, 
if he's ready for us, the odds are not good. Hey, uh, hey, expert strategist covered in metal sitting at a table in the Pentagon, you suck at your job. That is, that is fucking god-awful strategy. That's like revolutionary war playing a flute and drums so that your enemy knows you're coming level of shitty tactics. That, that's bad. That's bad news. Uh, the best line, the best line might be one of my favorite lines in the history of our show. Um, the best line I took the time to write down word for word because I loved it so much. Um, and it's something that Tommy Lee Jones said when he's making his demands to the Pentagon and he wants them to believe that he's crazy. Uh, and he says, um, you know, you know, and I know that chaos and bedlam are consuming the entire world. UV light waves are only the beginning. (laughs) We have an inch of topsoil left. (laughs) And then the guy goes, topsoil? There's sexually transmitted diseases, deforestation, irreversible progressive depletion of global gene pool. It all adds up to oblivion, pal. Governments will fall. Anarchy will reign. It's a brave new world. I fucking love Tommy Lee Jones. I wish he had been president at some point, and I'm not even joking. I fucking love Tommy Lee Jones. I love him in movies. I love him even more now outside of movies, scaring the bejesus out of interviewers. He is a god and this line is so fucking good in this movie uh worst performance you know what i really kind of racked my brain on worst performance in this movie um and i kind of was like you know pointing at um miss july because that character is just completely pointless um and i was i was looking at some of the like pentagon guys there's there's one guy that's sitting at the table that's just an insane overactor, and it's really funny but I'm going to give my worst performance to Steven Seagal. Um, he is pointless in this movie. Uh, you could have literally any leading man in this exact same movie with this exact same script and nothing would change. In fact, it might get better if you put in a better like actor's actor. He doesn't hardly do any martial arts in this movie. Um, and his delivery of his lines where he's trying to be cool comes across as just, I don't give a shit and I don't really want to be here. Um, so as the movie overall is Steven Seagal's best movie, Steven Seagal does what Steven Seagal always does in this movie. And that's suck. Um, (laughs) and I just think that he's, he's, the he's the thing that stops this movie from being all the way good honestly like in some other like goofy special effects and whatnot but if if you have somebody that's just a better actor in this exact same role you have a fantastic movie on your hands um who's the show stealer t l f n j uh most good bad moment uh it has to be <laughs> erica laniac sitting in a cake for hours on end and then steven seagal happens upon it and kicks it and you can see the fucking pulley that moves it across the floor and she pops out to gratuitously show her tits (laughs) and then cries and sobs and explains that she was on 
on uh, uh, anti-motion pills, and that's what made her sleep in this cake. Oh, man, that, that shit is hysterical. <laughs> uh, favorite part. Uh, my favorite part is the uh, firing uh, firing shells at the submarine. Like, I haven't seen the movie Battleship. I'm sure we'll cover it on the show. But that, that scene was, like, kind of cool. The military, like, you know, how do you fire shells at a specific target and, and hit it pinpoint? Like, that, that part was kind of fun. Okay, make it a good movie. Um, there's two things that I would do to make this a good movie. One I already mentioned would be get get another star, get a get an actor to be the star of this movie. And then B, I would change the script a little bit, and I would not make this a diehard one man versus army of terrorists trapped in a location uh, movie. I would make it. There was no, like, everyone on board gets captured or killed. There is no hero who's currently on board. Pentagon sends in a covert SEAL team. Keyword there being covert, not flipping a coin on whether or not the bad guy is crazy. Uh, And you follow in that SEAL team. Uh, I would make this a movie about the SEAL team who has to covertly get onto the ship and take it back over from the crazy bad guys. Um, that is something that I would be super fucking into watching. Okay, the biggest badass. So our current biggest badass, like I said, is Sylvester Stallone, Judge Dredd. Now, the question is, is Judge Dredd a bigger badass than whoever is the biggest badass in this movie? And I think it's obvious to everyone who the biggest badass in this movie is. Um, And I would say Sylvester Stallone would easily take down George Bush Sr., who is the biggest badass in this movie. Uh, So, sorry, George Bush. Um, You did a great job in Under Siege, but you do not get to defeat Judge Dredd. So, Judge Dredd remains biggest badass. George Bush puts up a fight. Doesn't win this round. Is this movie good, bad, or just bad? This movie's fucking good, bad. (laughs) All right, listen. Come here, come here, come here. This movie's fucking good, bad, all right? A lot of people my whole life have thought that this movie was good. It is not. (laughs) However, it is very, very entertaining. Um, I enjoyed every second of watching this movie, mostly off of the back of Gary Busey and Tommy Lee Jones, who both just crush in this movie. This movie made me sad that Tommy Lee Jones sucks so bad in Batman Forever. Because he's so capable of doing this, like, maniacal bad guy so well. But Under Siege is a fantastic good-bad movie. Highly recommend it to anyone that likes action movies, anyone that likes bad movies, and anyone that likes good-bad movies. Because this shit is a good fucking time. Alright, you guys have listened to me ramble long enough. Um, If you've made it this far, you deserve a parade and a medal. Um... Danielle will be back next week. Hopefully she'll be here for quite a while before the next time she has to take off. Um, Follow us on Instagram at The Good Bad Show so that you can keep up with the voting on what the next movie is going to be. If you're uh, an iTunes listener, rate and review us. Leave us five stars. It really helps us out. It would be much appreciated. And uh, make sure you get into the DMs and let us know what you think of the show. We'll catch you guys down the road. Peace.